0: Episode 227, Entrepreneur and Coach Bobby Kaler.
1: And after lunch, well, number one, it was near Thanksgiving, so they served like a, a turkey and gravy and mashed <laughs> potatoes, I think there everyone tired of sleeping.
0: I'm Mark Rabin. This is My Favorite Mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes, because we all make mistakes. But what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth, and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. To learn more about Bobby, her coaching, her podcast, and more, look for links in the show notes or go to markraben.com mistake227. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back to my favorite mistake. I'm Mark Raven. Our guest today is Bobby Kaler. She's an entrepreneur. She has been for more than 20 years. Bobby has coached upwards of 3,000 people. She's delivered presentations for tens of thousands of people. Bobby helps people see new possibilities for themselves and for their lives. Her undergraduate degree was in human performance improvement, and her graduate degree was based on the science of human flourishing. So we'll have a lot to talk about beyond her favorite mistake story today. Bobby has a podcast. It's called The Unyielded Show, Thriving No Matter What. She's the author of Travels of the Heart, Developing Your Inner Leader. And she was a contributing author to the best selling book, Masters of Success. So, Bobby, thank you for joining us here. How are you?
1: I'm doing great, Mark. Thank you for having me as a guest.
0: So there's a lot to explore, but, you know, as, as we always do here, we, we, we talk about the mistake thing. So oh, yeah. before we get into other topics about, you know, leadership and and what people can do to sort of, you know, help improve their lives and, the, and their work, I'm, I'm going to ask you the question here. I'll quit stumbling my way into it. Um, Bobby, with the different things you've done in your work, what would you say is your favorite mistake?
1: I love that question because as we were talking beforehand, there are so many that come to mind, but the one that I think is one of my favorites is something that when I was just getting started, this was back in the early 2000s, I was getting started in my speaking career and I'd been hired to do this to do, uh, it was an all staff training day for a credit union and I was super excited and I was going to do one session in the morning and one right after lunch. They were both 90 minutes long. And the one before lunch, it was, it was awesome. Like everything went great. It was, it was, it was just wonderful. And then the one after lunch, uh, it was like everyone was sleeping.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Oh no. Whereas in the morning, like I got tons of participation and after lunch, well, number one, it was near Thanksgiving. So they served Mm -hmm. like a a turkey and gravy (laughs) and (laughs) mashed potatoes. I think everyone had been sleeping. Yeah. But also, I found out later the group after lunch was just a quieter group, mm-hmm. and so instead of being it was 90- I'm
0: sorry to interrupt, but it was different different people, different people, different groups. Okay, different
1: groups, same company, but different groups. Okay, and I was like devastated because it was supposed to be 90 minutes long, and I think it, I think maybe we made it to 75 minutes because there just wasn't as much participation. And um, and I went to the event coordinator. Her name was Nancy. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, "Um, I don't know what you're apologizing for. And she said the people from the second group, like they'd already given her great feedback. It was the way I was perceiving it. But I really did think that's a failure because I wasn't prepared. I was so early in my career, Mark. I didn't know what to do when when an audience wasn't engaging the way I thought they would, and so what grew out of that was every time I did a presentation, and I still continue this practice. I always I started thinking about okay, so what went well and why, and specifically what did I contribute? What did I do to contribute to the positive result? Because it's one thing if I'm just getting lucky, right? <laughs> that's you know, that's hard to duplicate. And then I started asking, okay, what didn't go as well as I wanted, or what surprised me in this presentation, and why? And what could I do differently in the future? Because I made a promise to myself after that event, I'm like, I will never be in that situation again where this happens, and I've got nothing else in my toolbox. And so I started building out my toolbox. and then, you know, over time, I always I always had backup activities. I always knew what to do. But that was, you know, I was young. I, I was get, just getting started. So that would be that's one of my favorites.
0: Mm. Well, I, I appreciate from your telling of the story, the the reflection. Mm-hmm. And I mean it, it doesn't sound like you were being hard on yourself, even though the client was happy. It sounds like it was it's it sounds like it was more of just a healthy, I want to improve. Maybe they won't be as understanding the next time. Maybe they will fault me, right?
1: That's right. Plus, you know what? I didn't. I still felt like even though the client wasn't upset I still felt like I should have at least had something in my mind something in my head some kind of backup plan because I didn't you know and and this this client was very understanding but I don't know you know not not every client would be and I don't know I might have been I might have been a little hard on myself back then yeah. but <laughs> yeah but on the other hand I also thought this is a great learning opportunity.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a great learning opportunity.
0: Yeah. And and that's part of what makes something a favorite mistake, the learning and like, clearly this, this is stuck with you. Hopefully it's not bothering you. Oh too. no, but.
1: no. But you know, what's so funny about it, when you look back at a, a quote unquote mistake, especially when you learn from it, it's, it's, it's interesting to me how, how, uh, Quickly, you'll have another experience where you're like, "Man, I'm glad I had that previous experience because it taught you something." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and I had something. It was only like I don't know, maybe five years after that. And I was doing I was doing an all day presentation for it was a client that i had for many years, and I'd met with the the stakeholders ahead of time, and and you know we had the whole thing planned out. And I was like fifteen minutes into this presentation, and I asked a question to the group. And there was like this this silence and I'm like, oh man, I just asked a, asked a question that none of us are going to expect this answer. Like you can kind of feel that, like we were not expecting this answer. And so finally someone spoke up and I'm like, wow. And I could see like the CEO and the manager, they were all at the back of the room and they looked surprised too. And it cr- completely changed the direction of what was going to be helpful for that group. And I'm like, okay. So it seems like we need to shift a little bit. And everyone's like, yeah. And the CEOs at the back of the room like agreeing, like let's shift. So at that point, I'm like, all right. I closed up the computer, shut down my PowerPoint, went the whole rest of the day just feeding off of what was in the room. Mm-hmm. Best presentation, one of the best presentations mm-hmm. ever. Like, yeah. and I'm like, I'm so glad that I had that experience earlier yeah. because it prepared me for that.
0: Yeah, I mean, and 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 being able to learn. From a mistake isn't a given, right? I mean, I think, you know, we all make mistakes, but like, I love those questions that, that you, that you talk through, um, similar questions that I've been taught and, um, you know, I've tried to share when it comes to thinking about a mistake or even problem solving of, um, these weren't your exact words back, but I think this is the gist of it of like, what, what did I expect to happen? What actually happened? What was the cause of that difference? What did I learn? What am I going to do differently next time? I know you were more of like yeah. what went well, what didn't, what was the surprise? But I think the spirit of those questions yeah. is the same. I think those it's good like, to have a framework, whatever the framework
1: is. Whatever the framework, just a way for you to reflect and 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 not just get, get caught in the I'm just gonna beat myself up, you know, from here till eternity <laughs> about this. Because there's no, there's no real value in that. Or I'm just going to protect myself from it. I'm just going to say, "Well, it's their fault. They picked the wrong lunch." <laughs> I'm not, you know, they should have mean?
0: given me a more engaging group. Or no. yeah, uh,
1: I mean, it's exactly no. I mean, those experiences are co-created. So we're just looking at what did I do and what could I do differently in the future, and that's powerful.
0: Yeah. Now, did you run into that exact situation? You, what about next time? Whether there was Turkey involved or not, like, I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I imagine you've. We've all been you, you, with with yes. with some groups that um, are, like I said, more talkative than others. All other things being equal, and it's not always your fault. It could be the dynamics of like, are they quiet, or are they just kind of afraid to speak up because of right something that has nothing to do with you. That's right. Did, did you run into that again in a very direct way or did it just reinforce the need for backup plans?
1: I did run into it again. And I think because a lot of the work I did, a lot of it was with either sales teams or sales managers. And they would have like two day workshops followed with coaching. So you're always going to have the afternoon lull. Like it doesn't matter. You're And so so number one, what I learned there is, you know what, it's really good to plan it out. So that shortly after lunch, you have them up moving around the room in group discussions, right? I mean, that's easy. That's that's an easy thing to do. And but also, you know, to your point about the, you know, sometimes groups are quieter when, when that happens. And it's like, OK, well, if I have a quieter group, a lot of times, you know what they need? They need time to talk amongst themselves or time to reflect before they're ready to share with the group. So it just became that recognizing what's going on with the learner, what's going on with the participant, and not just taking it personally, like "Oh my God, they don't like me," or they, and like, no, they just have different learning styles. Guess what, Bobby? It's not all about you. (laughs) You But yeah, I mean that's. But it's just it's going to happen. Those things are just going to happen. Yeah, you know, so you have to adapt.
0: Yeah, Uh, after lunch activities of anything that gets people up and standing moving around that's a great time of day if you've got some sort yeah. of simulation or exercise or something and i i can even think of time recently where we kind of have a, a, a thing a schedule agenda planned out but sometimes you read the room you're like you know what let's do the exercise now yeah i think we i think we need that now we can you mm-hmm.
1: know right pull the, in another one yeah you know have 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 one in your back pocket that's like hey if i need to we can do that here." But, but also, Mark, it goes to what you're talking about, reading the room. Um, and, and that's obviously everyone knows you're supposed to do that when you're just getting out. I think that can be harder because you're more in your head versus, hey, I've seen this before. I'm not surprised by it. It's OK. We can get through this in a powerful way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And get through it and we can learn and be better prepared. I love the way yeah. how you you stated that you're, you were almost happy that that happened because it prepared you for yeah. future
1: success. Mm-hmm. Completely. You know, I think that's the way it is often with your mistakes or it can be. can be. Hopefully.
0: Yeah. It can and I think be. part of that is, you know, how we react individually and I try to work on that, you know, myself. And then when, then the, when there's a team dynamic, there's how your colleagues oh. or how your manager is reacting yeah. to mistakes. that, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Hmm. Um, you. How much? Well, maybe we can talk about both of those those pieces. Like when it comes to individuals or or, or to teams. Um, so one one thing that you you talk about a lot. I was looking to explore here is when when people feel stuck. Yeah and and in some ways if 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 i don't know if that's a mistake of like we're we're paralyzed or we're just stuck we don't know how to break through this what what are some of the ways that you help individuals or teams with that kind of situation
1: yeah and here's part of it we get stuck for a lot of different reasons you know sometimes we're stuck because we just continue to see things in the same way right we continue the same self talk um and we kind of expect it to go one way, and you know what we know from neuroscience is if we if we think it, whatever we look for, we're going to see, right? So so that's one way of being stuck. Another way, and this is one of the most common ways I've seen people get stuck, is they want to try something new, let's say, but they think, but I have to have the whole plan, I have to know all the answers before I get started, and that's a trap. Mm-hmm. Because You can't know all the answers before. I mean, it's impossible to know all the answers. Except
0: maybe in very, very simple situations.
1: Yeah, yeah, very simple. And and so it's always like, it's always so much more powerful to get started and trust that you can learn what you need to learn along the way. And I've coached more than 3,000 people over the course of my career, and I can promise you, you can learn what you need to learn along the way. We're incredibly resourceful that way as learners. Um, and then I think that the way it also ties into getting stuck to, to your podcast, you know, the, <laughs> my favorite mistake is we're paralyzed at the thought of making a mistake or failing. We're, we're absolutely, we can be paralyzed by that as though, as though our self-worth is tied up in making, you know, oh my God, what happens if I make a mistake? And I think you're going to make a mistake and that's okay. Like I love cross country skiing. Love it. We have a place in Colorado just so we can go cross country skiing <laughs> as much as we want. And my, my husband, like he, he always reminds me because he's a better skier than I am. When I was first getting started, I didn't want to fall. Like, I don't want to fall. I don't want to fall. So what did I do? I, I stayed on the safest trails where there was virtually no chance of falling unless I just you know <laughs> lost my balance. Yeah. But that meant I didn't I didn't go up any hills. I didn't go down any hills. There was no variance in the terrain. And at one point, he's like, you know what? If you're not falling once in a while, you're not pushing yourself hard enough. At mm-hmm. one time, he told me that after I'd gone down this big hill and I landed in a snowbank, and it's like, wait till I get out of the snowbank before you remind me of that. But I think that's part of it. Like, we have to... We have to become comfortable with the fact that we can make a mistake and we're still okay mm-hmm. as a person. You know, so, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. You're you're making me think of times I fell. So I grew up in Michigan, and we would go up into northern Michigan Ooh. and go cross country skiing. My dad still does that; he's quite avid cross country skier, even up in Canada. But when I think I'm thinking back now of times I fell either coming down a hill or just being in a situation where, okay, you, 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 you fall. Um, it's, I'm trying to like, none of us really consciously remember learning how to walk probably. Mm -mm. Right. Mm -hmm. But uh, learning to ski or learning to ride a bike or learning to do something new as an adult kind of brings in the, all sorts of different feelings of, um, shame or i shouldn't fall or i or you know it's just that that babies thankfully like they're not saddled with that i mean i'm not a child psychologist but it seems like no babies just go and they do it and they fall and they either laugh or they cry and they try again
1: they get back up that's a great example i'm really glad you because that triggered a memory this was back oh gosh i don't know 14 years ago or something like that. It was a while ago. I was going to say a couple of years ago. I'm like, no, it's more than a decade ago. I got to go to a coaching conference at Harvard put on and um, John Whitmore was there. And John Whitmore wrote coaching for performance. He's He's kind of a legend in coaching circles. And he was on the main stage. And he said, why is it when a child is learning to walk? We don't say, and they fall. We don't say, oh my God, they made a mistake. They failed.
0: No, we don't laugh at the baby. No,
1: No. we say, oh, Oh. they're learning how to walk. Mm -hmm. And he said, why don't we give ourselves and the people around us that same grace when we're adults? Right. But we don't. I mean, if you're learning something new, you're going to make a mistake. And it's not even a mistake, it's just everything's not going to go perfectly.
0: So, what have you found helps people? really try to embrace that if they are paralyzed or, or held back by that fear of making mistakes. It's one thing to kind of mentally process and I hear you mm-hmm. of like, okay, right, I shouldn't be afraid of mistakes, but if that's easier said than done, right, it is <laughs> how, how, how how can we help people try to work through some of that?
1: Yeah, here's here's what I suggest. Now some people, some people naturally, Embrace that they have no no problem with it, but if you're not one of those people, that's okay. first of all, don't be upset with yourself right it's it's natural it's a very natural thing so what what I tell people is or what I have over the years you know in, in some situations is to pick something small right that that you can try and if you fail in in quotes air quotes if you fail um it's not going to have big repercussions, but then to also journal about it. Right. So the worst just happened. Right. The worst thing just happened. You actually failed at something, no matter how small it was. Now what? How do you feel? You know, I had a guest on my show. He had, um, he grew up with really severe speech problems. And he, his biggest fear in life when he was a kid, because he has a very difficult last name to say, is that he would stutter over his own name. He was at camp, and he stuttered over his last name and couldn't say it. And he went back to the little bunkhouse thing, and he was like, wait a minute. The very thing I was so afraid of just happened. And I'm still here. And he said it was the best thing possible. So sometimes when we can, you know, experience it and then journal about it, reflect on it. Like, wait a minute, I'm still okay. What did I learn from it? You know? And I think the other thing is to add in the, what can, what did I learn from it or what could I learn from it? Um, But it, it's hard to get past the shame. And that's where um there is, there is um there's a science called positive intelligence, PQ for short. And we we beforehand, we're talking about those assessments, the self-sabotage assessments that I have on the website. This is where that could come in handy because each of us have what neuroscientists have learned is we all of us have a judge inside of our head. Right. The inner critic judges ourselves, judges, others, judges, certain circumstances. We also have they've identified nine different inner saboteurs. And depending on which one you have. It can make it harder for you like one is the stickler the perfectionist for a stickler a mistake is like driving nails through their hand I mean it's it's so hard so so part of it is understanding what kind of self-talk you have going on recognizing that in in the moment and that takes a little bit of uh, practice and that's called the saboteur interceptor muscle but intercepting that thought stopping it and then replacing whatever that talk is with the, "Hey, I'm okay. I'm still okay." So it's recognizing what's going on in our head. Does that make sense?
0: It does. And I mean, it seems like it would help not just to have like some awareness there, but but some coaching or somebody or a colleague, or I don't know if you ever have people coaching each other of, of, of yes. asking like, hey, if, if uh, I'm not being mindful, of let's say judgmental language. So like one, you know, one thing I think is interesting is like when people judge themselves and and people sometimes use this language on the podcast and I wish they wouldn't Of like, Oh, that was a dumb mistake. Oh no. And, but, and, and I catch myself, I caught myself um, a couple of weeks ago and I'm like, that was really dumb mistake. Now at (laughs) least I had the awareness. I kind of caught myself and tried to remind myself. Right. These ideas we talk about here on the podcast of it's Okay. We all make mistakes. Um, like, we 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 can better choose in a way our reaction to the mistake. But I can see like maybe some sort of buddy system where if I wasn't being mindful, like Bobby, let's say you know you might call and say, "Hey, well, oh, Mark, wait a minute. You, I don't think you realize, but you just, yeah, said this thing that you maybe didn't want to be saying. I, I'm not saying right. that clearly, but I don't know."
1: But I, I get what you're. I get what you're saying, and it's a great idea. You know, I mean, it, so w- with with the positive intelligence, there's a book that people can read. And number one, once you start becoming aware of it, where awareness is key, got to become aware of it. As for the buddy system, you know, you can have an agreement with someone like, hey, like let's say that you work in an office and and you're close to one of your coworkers, and th- that this would feel comfortable. But you could say, hey, when you hear me beating myself up. Or when you hear me using judging language towards myself, would you just gently raise it? And you can gently raise it. Like my husband and I went through the PQ program together. And so you don't really want to come across and say, hey, Rick, that's, my <laughs> you know, I just heard you say blah, 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 blah. But you can say, hmm, I just heard you say X. And just repeat back. It's, it's called a neutral observation. Like, hey, Mark, I just heard you 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 classify that as a dumb mistake. And that's it. Just kind of raise the awareness, no judgment, and then you can say, "Oh yeah, I did." Yeah, I don't,
0: did. Don't judge the judgment or shame the shaming.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just like, oh, I heard you say X, and and you can leave it at that. It's just a way to raise it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because other people can sometimes hear it quicker than we do. Yeah, but you can, you you can train yourself at the same time. Yeah.
0: And you know, I think you raise a lot of good points, and this applies, I think, to say individual situations or entrepreneurship of the idea of um, making a change small.
1: If, yes. if, if the
0: idea of change is scary, make it small. Start somewhere. Like I've heard, you know, people use the phrase "baby steps." There we go back to kids again. That's right. Uh, there's some, there's something to it of mm-hmm. kind of minimizing some of the risk or minimizing. If
1: people say, "What's the worst that can happen?" Making that worst kind of small small and you know the other thing that's related to that and this is one of my favorite things that I've that I've used in coaching and, and people can use this for themselves don't ask yourself to change ask yourself to test it because testing it you're experimenting right so when you test something when you experiment you expect that you might have some missteps that makes it so much less scary.
0: Well, back to your point from earlier. We don't have to have it all figured out. Yeah. By definition, an experiment means
1: we don't have it all figured out, and to right. give
0: permission for that.
1: That's right. That's right. And it's so funny because over the years, anytime I've said that to someone I'm coaching, like, "Hey, you know, I'm not asking you to change. I'm just wondering, is it something that you're willing to test?" I've never had anyone say, no, I haven't. I've never, no one's ever said, no, I've had like two people who said, I'll try it just to prove you wrong. Mm. I don't care. And then they tried it and they're like, okay, Mm. well, I tried it and you know what? It was actually okay. (laughs) You know, But that's okay. Make it fun too. We, we, we make things so serious all the time. You know, this, the journey should be fun. Learning should be fun. That's when we learn the most Mm -hmm. is when it's fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And yeah, that you, you, you brought up something I was, you made me think of the, of this, this go and test it. And um, somebody said, well, okay, I, yeah, I'm going to try and improve that. You're wrong. That kind of made me think of something you said earlier of you, you get what you, or you, 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 you see what you are looking for. Yeah. Kind of trying to paraphrase it back that mm-hmm. if you're expecting it to fail, People will, I, I think, sometimes give up too quickly. Like, yeah. Well, see, I tried it. It didn't I work. Tried. So I give up. Mm-hmm. But, you know, from that initial stumble or struggle, like, so what, one other thing I wanted to ask you about was, um, you know, finding a way forward. Yeah. How do you help people realize that if we've tried something, if we're learning, if we're testing, and if we've stumbled? To look for the way forward. Is there is there always a way forward instead of giving up and saying, well, look, it didn't work?
1: Yeah. So first of all, I believe that there's always, always a way forward. Now, we might not always like all the options, but that doesn't mean they're not viable options. So so the first thing is we have to believe that there is a way forward. If we believe, because here's the thing. If we believe there's a way forward, our brain We'll look for that way. If we believe that there is no way forward, we've ended the conversation. There's no point for our brain to scan and try to find a way forward. Um, back in 2003, I got really sick, almost died. A doctor gave me a 3% chance of a full recovery. Yeah. And the first thought that went through, well, not the first thought that went through my my, my first thought was, okay, when do I get to go for a run again? <laughs> and he's like, Bobby, your days of being an athlete might be over. And so, and I'm happy to report that he was wrong because I now cycle mountain passes. Um, But one of the first things that occurred to me when he said that was, so that means that 3% of the people have the answer or their doctors do. So I need to find them. And, and I share that because that's a really important piece. Number one, I believe there is a way forward. And number two, sometimes we mistake the fact that we, we, we think, well, I don't know the way forward. That means there is no way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. No. Right. We just have oh. to look for it. That's our job is to look for it. Right. And, and to try different things.
0: And that's the thing. Yeah. Trying that willingness to go forward and try things as opposed to knowing the answer. And a lot of organizations have this bad habit of, I think, oh. really conditioning people of like you need to know or at least you pretend to know. And then I think mm-hmm. that that gets people in trouble when they end up you know, having to double down on something that turned out to be a mistake instead of being able to acknowledge it as such.
1: Isn't it funny how hard it is in organizations? It all depends on culture and it depends on the leadership some leaders are amazing at making mistakes. Okay. Right. Or just trying new things, it's, but others, it, it, it's almost, it's almost like you're punished.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. You know, there's yeah. a great book by two Stanford professors, Pfeffer and Sutton, um, the knowing doing gap. Mm, okay. And they studied why is there such a gap between what we know we should do and what we actually do. And one of the things they found in organizations that people get punished for um failed action. Like you know they try something it doesn't work they get punished. And or ridiculed or whatever it might be. And what they say is we should be rewarding it when someone has the initiative to take action and they said don't don't punish failed action punish inaction. But we don't. Yeah. Too too often we don't. I shouldn't yeah. say we never do.
0: Yeah. Well, think of how many organizations will say things like, you know, having a bias for action is one of our yeah traits or beliefs or principles or one of mean, our values. You know, but I mean, that's there there's thoughtful action, right? If we have a bias, you know, that bias for action might include, you know, bias, you know, for making assumptions and rushing into things, which maybe that's that's not the right kind of action. I see your point about not being, you know, just stuck with the comfortable status quo, mm-hmm. right? How do we find a right. the balance there?
1: Yeah, because it's hard, you know, but people who are actually trying to do something, I mean, I cannot think of a single thing, Mark, whether it's a sport that I've played, um, when I tried to learn musical instruments, I love to cook, you know, learning cooking, whatever it might be, you're going to have missteps. Um. Gordon Ramsay probably originally did not come out, you know, he probably had to work to get that. uh, What's his famous one? The uh, the beef Wellington. Right. Beef Wellington is a technical dish. I'm guessing he had a few that maybe weren't perfect along the way. You know what I mean? Like it's learning. It's not it's not failing or making mistakes. It's simply learning.
0: Yeah. But are we laughing? I don't know. Is Gordon Ramsay laughing or being mean to people who are? new at something and, you know, and trying and some of the cooking shows, I
1: don't know. Yeah. yeah. Some of them. And yet sometimes he's so, cause I actually started watching him cause at first I like, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like all the yelling. And I started watching it. And there's especially, there are times when he's amazingly gracious mm-hmm. and supportive, you know?
0: Yeah. So I mean, I, I, it's been a long time, but I mean, I've watched, I know as a number of shows, but kitchen nightmares,
1: Oh God! I never watched that one. Is one that
0: we one. watched for a while. And if I remember yeah. right, like I think his what really upsets him is sort of like an unearned arrogance of somebody yes. where there's a gap between they think their restaurant or their service or their food is really good, good or even really safe, and it yeah. is not. That's when not. it seems like he gets the most upset with people. If somebody was just an eager learner who admitted they weren't perfect.
1: That's different. That's different. Yeah. Yeah. I think the arrogance does bother him quite a bit. And I I don't know. I don't even know the guy, but yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So um,
0: again, we've been joined today by uh, Bobby Kaler. Um, Before we wrap up, Bobby, tell us a little bit about your podcast, The Unyielded Show.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for asking. So um, that is, it's it's a podcast I started back in uh, 2020. And it's about working on our inner game, who we are, and, you know, our, our our mindset, our behaviors as a way to affect our outer game results, happiness, well-being, and success. And so I've got two episodes a week. One, they come out on Wednesdays. Those are interview formats where I interview, you know, interesting people who have both a story to tell and also what they learned from it you know, with that. And then on Mondays I have, it's, it's a, I call it rise and thrives. They're 10 minute little monologues where I share something that, you know, gives people insight and actionable things to work on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Part of the reason I started it, Mark is, as I said this before in my career, I've coached more than 3000 people. I've learned a lot about coaching. I've learned a lot about human performance and a lot of this stuff, we can do on our own. And so what I want to do with the podcast is really give back. I don't, I don't really coach very much anymore um, only for very select clients, but this is my way of sharing what I've learned so that other people can take it and they can use it and they can coach themselves. Mm -hmm. So that's my goal with the podcast. Yeah,
0: That's great. I hope people will check it out. They can uh, I'm sure find it wherever they are listening to my. Absolutely. And um, Bobby does have a website. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes, bobbykaller.com. People can sign up for a newsletter. You have some some email education that goes out. Tell tell people about that real quick.
1: Yeah. So if someone when someone signs up for the newsletter, which of course is free, they get it. it's a five, it's a free five-day email course. And it's kind of a jump start on um finding your forward and preparing yourself for that inner game. So we, I tackle things like mindset behaviors and, and those types of things.
0: Okay. Well, I hope people will check that yeah. out. Now I'm going to go dig a little more into positive intelligence. PQ. Yeah. That's a new term uh, for me. And to go look at your uh, assessment um, about looking for some of these inner saboteurs. Is that, the, do I have? The yeah. First, right? they're
1: inner saboteurs. Yeah. And on the website, on the resource page, there's two assessments they're, they're one to identify which saboteurs you might have. And then another one will tell you your PQ score. Which essentially tells you how much of the time is your mind working for you versus against you, and both of those there it's it's very eye opening. It was very very helpful.
0: I bet, I bet. So I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go sign up for that. So thank cool. you for well, thank, thank you. you, thank you for sharing on um, those resources and and, you know, and thank you for being a guest here and, and telling your story, not just the the mistake, but I think you know to share your thought process about reflection and uh, mm-hmm. improvements, you know, really, really helpful to hear how you talk through that. I, I know that's going to help others. Um, so thank you for everything you shared and talked about here today.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: Well, thanks again to Bobby Kaler for being our guest, sharing her story and more here today. To learn more about her and everything she does, look for links in the show notes, or you can go to markravencom slash mistake 227. As always, I want to thank you for listening. I hope this podcast inspires you to reflect on your own mistakes, how you can learn from them or turn them into a positive. I've had listeners tell me they started being more open and honest about mistakes in their work. And they're trying to create a workplace culture where it's safe to speak up about problems because that leads to more improvement and better business results. If you have feedback or a story to share, you can email me, myfavoritemistakepodcast at gmail.com. And again, our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com.